this series called The List, and um, essentially, uh, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, we kind of all know that story, um, he went on to kind of get his act together, and um, he wrote two letters that the church in all of its creativity has named First Peter and Second Peter, and uh, we're in the Second Peter one, and essentially what's happened is, God, through Peter, has created this list. This list that if we follow it, our lives will change. That there are some things that are super important to God, and he actually listed them out. He actually told us what they were. And it's super exciting to, to know, I'm going to take it off in about two seconds, uh, right? Uh, that God, that God would give us something so clear. And, and see, what we did was when we, when we started the whole thing going, um, we, we came up with this idea that life is more than just coping. You know, life is not meant to be lived just trying to get by. If I could just get through this marriage, if I can just get that next raise, if I can just do this, life was not meant to be lived by just coping. And that's what we talked about. And and, and Second Peter kind of sets this whole thing up um, with a verse that we've been going over every week. It's Second Peter uh, one, three. And b- before I read that, um, if you haven't been baptized uh, and you want to take that class for next week, we're going to have a baptism Sunday the next week. We, we do it right in here. It's not scary. It's awesome. And so if you want to take that next step of your faith where you maybe you kind of came to Christ and you're, you're there, but you want to like now God's calling you to, to bring it to the next level. Baptism is a way to do that. Okay. So anyway, sorry. Second Peter uh, 1, 3. Now check this out. His divine power, meaning God's divine power, the God who created the universe, who threw out all the stars, however he did it. I have no idea how, but I know that he knows each one of their names. They're all named something. Uh, the one closest to us is called Son, okay? Uh, that I believe, okay? His divine power, that God who knows your heart, knows you. His divine power has given us, check this out, Everything we need for life and godliness. We've got it now. God, by his divine power, I don't know how he does it, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge, now hold, hold, just keep, keep that word in, your, in the back of your mind, of him who called us by his own glory and, ex- and goodness. That word goodness, we looked at it last week, means moral excellence. It means to be good, to do righteous, to be holy. That God, through his divine power, has given us everything we need. That this is so different than what I get trapped up in in my day to day, Right? Like, I know, I know I've got everything pertaining to life and godliness through Christ, but oftentimes I look for other things to try and fill in the gaps. There are no gaps. This is what Peter's trying to tell us. And so he kind of sets this thing up. And then he gives us another verse that you just kind of put your hands on your head and you go, is this really true? Can I really believe the next verse? He says this, through these, meaning his own glory and goodness, He has given us this very great and precious promises so that through them, listen to this, you may participate in the divine nature. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of freaks me out a little bit. That God, in other words, here's what God's saying to us. There's some other thing. The Bible calls it another kingdom. 
there's some other kind of realm of influence that God is really sets in number one priority. And, and, and when we look at the life of Jesus, we see someone who had everything pertaining to life, his day-to-day, he'd always go to his heavenly father, all right? And, and godliness, he, didn't, he was without sin. And, and basically what Peter's saying is, you can do the same thing. And you go, there's no way. There's no way that I can participate in that divine nature. In other words, there's no way. I mean, if I get a pink slip tomorrow, in other words, you guys vote, and, 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 and you'd vote me out of here, right? And, and, and you put a pink slip on my desk. Um, I will weep, okay? And I will cry. But is there a way to get a pink slip and like be like, you know what? God's got something else planned. The Bible says there is. Is there a way, and this might even be harder for some of us, to be wronged? And in the midst of being wrong, going, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. Like, is there a way to be? Peter is telling us there is. And we go, man, that, it just seems so foreign to me. And, and I don't understand how this is going to be. And so, so in, in the midst of that, there's this list of like, hey, you want to participate in the divine nature? Check out the list. And last week we talked about moral goodness or moral excellence or goodness. And basically what that means is if you're not willing to change your life, you can forget the rest of the list. Like you're not going to get all those things if you're just kind of sitting back going, oh man, Lord, please. As we kind of make an effort, and we talked last week about is Christianity a a series of do's or don'ts? Uh, Not for salvation, but through sanctification, yeah, kind, it kind of is. And so we discussed that for a little bit. Uh, and so he puts this list in the middle, and then to kind of slam it home in verse 8, he says, if you possess these qualities, meaning the qualities of the list, if they're yours, and they're increasing in measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Now, look at, so here's what Peter does. He frames this thing out. He says, he says, there's the divine nature on one hand, and there's being ineffective and unproductive on the other. And basically, he's going, so which one do you want? You know, and everyone's like, I want the divine nature, of course, right? It'll keep you um, uh, from being ineffective and unproductive. And then here, here's that word again, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen twice already this word knowledge comes up. When I was... Um, uh, 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 you know, 12, 13 years old, uh, NBC had this campaign, and maybe they still have it, I don't know, called The More You Know. And uh, essentially, it was a, a star who was either entering rehab or just coming out uh, who needed um, community service. Or, or, and so they would tell you something that you probably already knew, uh, but, but it was the way, you know, the more you know. So it would go something like this, um, you know, uh, bullying is a, is a big, is a big problem in, in, in the United States, you know, don't be a bully. You know, first of all, every bully that's ever bullied me, that just infuriates them. And thank you very much. I probably got bullied the next day just so they could go against the whole thing. But, but it had something like that. As a matter of fact, I, I have a, a video that I, I, I have up here that kind of mocks that and we show it right now. I couldn't really worry about bailing on Dr. Cox. The Stanley's child was sick, and I had just spent the last 20 minutes asking them awkward questions to rule out the possibility of child abuse. Who would smother their own child? 
You'd be surprised. There's something called Munchausen syndrome where a parent will intentionally harm their child to get some attention on themselves. I've never heard of that. Someone should do a public service announcement about it. Hmm, someone should. You had a tough day at the office, so you come home, make yourself some dinner, smother your kids, pop in a movie, maybe have a drink. It's fun, right? Wrong. Don't smother your kids. That problem would be gone forever. <laughs> right. Right, the problem, if we just do a public service announcement, the problem will be gone forever. And, we, and now that you saw that, you probably remember the campaign, and maybe it's still going, and they've covered everything from, uh, you know, don't point a loaded gun at someone, like, thank you so much. Nee, 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 nee. Like, now I know. You know you're like, putting, huh, I guess I can't do it. So, right, or they've covered, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, like all this kind of stuff. And the idea is that if we just inform you, uh, stupid public, uh, it'll get better. Whatever it is, whatever thing we're trying to do, if you just have the right knowledge. And so, and you'll see this in all sorts of different organizations. You know, there, there might be, you might work for a company and, and, and they're, they're like, you know, they're upset about the Facebook usage at office time. And so they're, they're going to have a meeting and inform you. And once you know what detriment it is to the company, you'll cease and desist uh, in your Facebook uh, Farmville. But, and so like, if we can just inform them, but see, we know that's not true. First of all, the campaign was horrible. The one that had, um, don't hit your kids, I think my dad hit me right after that, telling me not to watch television. And I'm like, didn't you see it? I got bullied after this. There's still diseases going on after this. To know sometimes doesn't make any difference. And we know this about ourselves. I know Doritos is not a staple food. I know it's bad for me. I know I shouldn't eat that many of them. And yet here I am with my hand buried in the bag, like there's a prize down at the bottom, shoveling them into my mouth, right? Like we know that. We know if we uh, put a whole bunch of charges on our credit card, we're going to have to pay at some point and we're going to have to pay more. We know that. We don't need a public service announcement. And yet we don't do it. Husbands. You know if you do the chores, it's going to go better for you. But you don't do the chores, right? I mean, it's just like, it's like knowing, it's kind of frustrating. And, and here's the thing. If we know something and we're not doing it, it's even more frustrating. This shows up with kids a lot where you tell your kid, not mine, mine, mine are cherubs. But uh, you, you tell your kids, uh, hey, you know, I told you to clean your room. And they say, you know, yeah, well, it's not clean. And they go, I know. Like, that's their way of saying, knowing isn't going to help me. I know I have to clean it. I know. Right? We do the same thing. Our doctor says, you know, hey, you could lose a few pounds. I know. Like, like to know something and not do it is frustrating. <laughs> However, on the other hand, to really need to know something because you really do want to change and you don't have the information, that's frustrating as well. So you might have a project you're trying to get on, gone in the house and maybe you're not that good at projects around the house. And I don't know, let me just think of an example. Let's say you were tiling uh, a, a certain area of your home and you didn't know about Wonderboard or, uh, or, or you know, a backer board. And so you just tiled right onto the wood which is, seems totally natural and normal, right? You have the wood, you put the tile on there. 
Okay, right? Don't do that. Okay? But if you don't know that, and then you do all these things, and you go, man, I wish, what we say all the time, I wish I knew. Sometimes we wish we knew consequences. Sometimes we wish we knew, you know, man, I didn't know that that was going to come out. And, and, and so we, we want to find, and sometimes we find information that changes our lives. You go to a marriage seminar or whatever, and, 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 and they give you some information. You're like, man, this totally changes my marriage from here on out. That, you like that information. And when we can't get it, we're frustrated. I, my um, wife and I were, were dating through high school and, and uh, college, and so she needed to get the oil changed in her car, um, and so, you know, I, I'm like, baby, you don't need to take it. Okay, bring it over here. You know, so I get, <clears throat> that's as low as my voice goes, by the way. So sad. I'm like, I'll be really manly. Hi. You know, it's like, <laughs> anyway. So, so I tell her, come on, bring the car over and I'll, I'll change the oil. Because I had a Plymouth Champ and you could cha- I could change my own oil on the Plymouth Champ. So I, you can change oil in one car. You can change oil in a thousand cars. So she brings the car over and, um, you know, I, I crawl underneath and, the um, nut or the bolt, or I get the two confused, but the one that stops, uh, the stopper, um, it's shaped really weird. And, and so I'm like, wow, that's weird. So I go through like all six tools that I have in college and nothing works. So I have to go get a special, um, a special like socket, which should have been my first clue. You know, don't have to go buy special sockets. So I did, and I, I, I finally got it. It took like seven hours. I finally dump it, and this beautiful, like, translucent red liquid comes out. Okay? And, and uh, so Lisa says, I, I don't think oil's supposed to be red. And this was a high point of our relationship. And um, I said, I know, right? Because I already know, right? And, and so, so, so it's transmission fluid, come to find, right? Okay, so uh, I get it back in there and I find the right thing. And I lost my salvation a few times. But the, 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 the thing is, not knowing something and not doing it is frustrating, not knowing something when you really want to know is frustrating. And, and so it's no surprise that God, in his kind of divine providence in penning this through Peter, puts knowledge as the second word in the list. So in other words, if moral goodness is this idea of like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to do this. If that's moral excellence or goodness then knowledge is going to be the thing that informs you in how to do it. Except as we begin to look at this scripture, it actually gets more deep than that. So 2 Peter 1.5 says this, for this very reason, in other words, for the very reason that we're going to participate in the divine nature, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. That was last week. And to goodness knowledge. Now listen, here's where we start to get an idea that maybe God is talking more about just knowing about something or gaining information or reading a book or watching a video. Check this out. For if you possess these qualities, we saw this before, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, there's something in this whole list and in kind of the, the beginning of the divine nature and the thing afterward, that there's this underlying kind of elephant in the room of Jesus Christ. Who was the perfect one that had everything pertaining to life and godliness? Jesus, right? Who, who participated fully in this divine nature? Jesus, and so when we get to this thing of knowledge, oftentimes, especially in Western culture, we think, oh, it's a checklist. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to know. That's the knowledge. And then I'll apply it to the moral goodness. And, you know, out through the tubes and everything will pop up a really good Christian who's neither ineffective nor unproductive. That's it. But I think Peter is talking about something deeper than this. I don't think Peter's talking about head knowledge or finding out all the facts or getting a good book on Bible study or memorizing scripture. Let, 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 me, let me talk about another kind of uh, apostle. His name was Paul, and he wrote a bunch of letters in the New Testament. And, um, and he wrote one to a church, uh, the Philippian church. And it was basically a thank you letter for uh, some, a gift they had given him for his ministry. And, and so he was thanking them for that. And in the middle of that, he kind of gets into this whole idea about what, what's important. What do you want to know? What, how, how do we get to this place where we're, we're living the life, the divine nature? And it's, it's, it's a famous section of scripture. And if, you, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you might have heard this um, several times not in nearly as an engaging way as you're about to, but, um, right, it, it says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Listen to this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's talking in, in um, accounting terms. And if you're an accountant or uh, you work in the accounting department or whatever, you know, you, you credit on the left, debit on the right, or debit on the, whatever, you do... One, you got to do one on one side and one on the other. And if you switch it, it's, it's even worse because what was credit to you is now way down in the debit. It's not like it just zeroes out. You, if you, you do not want a credit where you're supposed to debit and you do not want a debit where you're supposed to credit. But Paul learned something. Paul came to a conclusion. There was something that happened where Paul said, you know what? I was... I was crediting all this time and I've come to figure out that I was debiting. That is information we want to have. If we think we're living a life that, that, that's creating something of value, we're living a life that's creating something that we think, okay, this is really important. Don't you want to know as soon as possible that you're going in the wrong direction. And this is what Paul's talking about. He says, but whatever was up to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then he goes on, what's more? Like, what could be more? You were crediting when you're supposed to debit. You were debiting when you're supposed to credit. Well, like, what are you talking about? He says, what's more? Listen to this. I consider everything loss compared to the surpassing greatness, check this out, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's the same exact Greek word as the knowing in Peter. 
There's something deeper than just knowledge that's a group of facts and checklists and things you can mark off. Paul had that down to a T, right? He'd probably memorized the Torah. He was a Pharisee above Pharisees. He knew all the rules and all the lists. And not only did he know them, he was passionate about them. I mean, Paul persecuted the church because he felt so strongly that what they were doing was against God. I know we, we, we think of, of, of Paul as like this horrible, horrible person, but there's a side of Paul that was extremely devout, right? And, you know, you're not, I mean, come to find out you're not supposed to kill Christians, right? You know, don't, you know, don't kill Christians, right? He, he understood that, but there's something else that's going on. This idea of knowing Jesus. In other words, Paul, who had all this knowledge, all this stuff, came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and it changed him. It said, you know, the things that were important to me, they're not important anymore. The things that that weren't important, I value them so much now. Have you ever had that happen to you where the things you were striving after, you just, all of a sudden, the Lord just broke it in you and you went, you know what? Who cares? That's the process of knowing Jesus. Check this out. So he says, what's more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he says this, for whose sake I've lost all things. They don't even matter to me. Now, when we start out with moral excellence and we say, you know what, I'm gonna live a life worthy of the gospel. And then we move into this knowledge and we begin to see, God, how, how are you gonna transform me? Now watch what he says after this. He says, I've lost all these things. I consider them rubbish. It's garbage. It's, it's actually, wor- it's a worse word than that. It's, it's, a, it's the, this, the C word, um, right? He says, them rubbish that I may what? Gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God that is by faith. See, I think this idea of knowledge, this idea of knowledge coming second on the list, is there is a relationship with Christ that we can all attain to that's deeper and deeper and deeper. And then Paul sums this whole thing up, like like just to drive it home. He says this, I want to know Christ. Now, this is Paul. <laughs> now, if I were to ask myself this question, do you know Christ? I, yeah, yeah, I know Christ. But, you know, yeah, I'm saved. But Paul, the apostle Paul, who's in prison writing this thing, who's, who's just, I mean, he's penning scripture. <laughs> That's how close to God he is or whatever. I mean, he's writing scripture as he's writing. He says, I just want to know Christ. That's, I believe, the knowledge in the list. I think the knowledge is in the list, in that list. The next one, knowledge. Gnosko is the Greek word. Is the idea of figuring out who, if Jesus were me, what kind of husband would he be? What kind of kind of driver would he be? <laughs> dun, 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 right? 
What 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 kind of movies would he watch? What 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 would he do? Now again, we can get all caught up in wow, well, we're just you're just trying to make it harder than it really is. No, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know who would he be if he worked in my cubicle. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him intimately. I want to know how he'd react in every single situation. I want to finish his sentences for him. I want to know Christ. I want to know what, what makes his heart just bleed with compassion for the poor. What, what makes him angry. I want to know Christ. This is what Paul's saying. Not, I want to be saved and go to heaven. Congratulations. As a matter of fact, at the end of this, we'll get to it. He kind of covers that like, well, that'll, that'll happen when it happens. Let's not worry about that right now. Let's worry about this. I want to know Christ. I think if that's our number one kind of focus when it comes to knowledge. In other words, you get a book and, you know, a Christian book and you're reading it and it's on prayer or whatever. Great. Is it teaching you to pray like Jesus prayed? Is it, is it making you more like Christ? Okay, you get a book and it's on something else, you know, seven habits of highly effective Christians or whatever. Uh, you know, right? is, it, is it bringing you to know Christ more? Are you becoming more like him? Are you being transformed into his very image? That's true knowledge. Otherwise, it just works, right? So check this out. It says, I want to know Christ. And then the problem is, and I think this is where we get stuck. We want, we want everything in the kingdom has like its great thing, like, yes, victory. And then as you keep reading the scripture, you're like, ah, oh. like, you want to follow Jesus? Yay! Uh, take up your cross. Boo! You know, like, like there's always this this thing, you know, of, of like, you want to be first? Yeah, be last. No, like, like, like this, this, this terrible thing. And this is what happens in this next verse. It says this. Uh, uh, go. Uh, okay, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Yay! And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Boo. Like we, we don't want the sharing in the sufferings. And so you know what happens? We stop striving to know Christ and we start making this cheap alternative, this other thing. Like if I just go to church every Sunday, that'll be good. If I just, if I read my Bible, if I do this and God's like, I want you, I want your heart to break for the lost. Like it breaks my heart. Oh, that feels terrible. I'll just throw some money in the offering plate or something. That sounds better. It does sound, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking around. It's just a little pastor, pastor joke there. Right? Right? But, but, but it's like, I want, the, I want the resurrection power, but it's like, okay, resurrection power, you're gonna have to give up a few things. Boo. Listen, God wants us fighting for that, like Paul did. I just, I just wanna know Christ. I wanna know what kind of prisoner would Christ be? I'll bet Paul was thinking that. What kind of prisoner would, what kind of letter to the church of uh, Philippi would Jesus write to them? Then he goes on and make it, just in case you, you got the sufferings part, it's like, oh, and I wasn't kidding, becoming like him in his death. Boo. Listen, so if you, if you fill out your, your um, notes or whatever, that here's your thing for the top part, okay? Knowing Christ is becoming like him. 
Knowing Christ is becoming like Christ. As a matter of fact, I'll bet you've seen people that have a really deep relationship with Jesus. They know him. They talk to him. They, they're, they're, when they read the word, they want to get inside the mind of Christ. Right? It even talks about that. We have the mind of Christ. Like, like they, they want to, when they make decisions, they want them to be Christ-like decisions. When, they, when they're in their marriage, they want it to be a Christ-centered marriage. As they raise their kids, they want it to be around what Je- how Jesus would raise those kids, all this kind of stuff. Wouldn't you agree with me that those people who have that deep relationship with Christ, they kind of look like him? They kind of act like him and talk like him. And you, you think to yourself, man, they're really forgiving. And they're like all this kind of stuff. Knowing Christ is becoming like him. And it, it doesn't go the other way around. You don't just like do, do good things. And all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, it comes with this, this heart cry of Paul and this heart cry of Peter of, I want to know Christ. I want him sitting next to me in the car when I drive. I want him I want to hand him to the remote and have him pick what we're going to watch. Right? I want to know him. I want him telling me, well, how should I, how should I speak to my wife? How should I raise my kids? And the thing is, Christ wants to know you. <laughs> he wants your heart. He wants that rule and, and reign. Now watch what he says. Becoming like him in his death. And then he says, verse 11 and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Like, and then I guess I'll go to heaven. Like, like, but that isn't Paul's main thing. It's not just fire insurance for Paul. He's not just going, yeah, you know what? I'd like to know Christ and that'll, phew, then I can do whatever I want and I'll make it to heaven because I'm saved by grace. He, he, wrote, he wrote that uh, uh, earlier. So he already knew that, right? And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Listen, listen, as, as Luke comes back up, uh, I, I want you to get this next verse. Now, this is out of Colossians. Colossians was written about the same time Philippians was. So when, when, when Paul was writing, I want to know Christ, he, it was during the same time he was in prison. And those letters to the Philippians church and the Colossians church are very similar. And they probably went out, we don't know, but within months of each other. Okay, so this is on the heart of Paul. Now listen to what Paul says and listen to what Jesus is saying to us as a a community of believers or who are unconvinced now and are just listening. Listen to this. My purpose, Paul writes to the Colossian church, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. If I took a poll and asked you guys to raise your hand, who wants the full riches of complete understanding? You'd all raise your hands, uh, except for a few wouldn't because you're trying to make a point, right? Okay, uh, uh, I ain't raising my hand. If you t- okay, so, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Now, if we're talking about knowledge, I'd say pretty much covers it, wouldn't you? In order, listen to this, that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. There's something about knowing Christ, really knowing him, that has the full riches of complete understanding. And then in order to just drive the point home, he says, this is in Christ, in whom are hidden, listen to this, this is so cool, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And there's that same word again. In Christ, all are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 